Why do you say that, Father? You aren't afraid, are you? No. But I respect some of the superstitions of others. Often they are founded in fact. Broadcasting live from our Sanctum Sanctorum in Venice, California, this is the Sixth Sense Society. I'm your host, Krista, here with our producer, Michael, and today we are welcoming back my father, Dr. George Schwimmer, to talk about shamanism and distant healing. He has been training in the metaphysical healing since 1978, has learned Reiki, past life recall, and spirit releasement, and is also trained was trained by Dr. Alberto Velodo and the Four Winds Society in the Practices of Peru's Kiro Shaman. So it's going to be a really fascinating show. Before we get started, Michael has a few announcements. Hi, hi everybody. Um, yeah, we've got some really great stuff coming up. We have, um, first of all, thank you guys. We're, we've passed our 500 subscribers, and we're well on our way now to 1,000, and we're just so happy that you guys are supporting the show. So we hope we're entertaining you and that you enjoy it. Please tell your friends. Help us to grow a little bit. Um, get all the information on our show at our website, sixcentsociety.com. It's all spelled out, S-I-X-T-H, so sixcentsociety.com. You know, go on our Instagram and so forth, and you'll find out about us and our upcoming shows and all that good stuff. Um, and we'd love to hear from you, so send us an email or, or chat. Um, just to give you guys an idea of what's coming up ahead, in February, of course, Valentine's Day coming up, so our first two shows are going to fe feature love as a theme. And our first one is called Love Beyond Death, and it is going to be with our ghost hunting friend, Holly Lindblom. And we're going to talk about some of her favorite ghost stories that involve romance and, and so forth. And so that should be really a lot of fun. And then our second show in February is going to become uh, be about love magic. So we're going to have our good friend Zalima on, and she's going to be talking about love spells and some of our favorites. And, of course, what happens when they go tragically wrong. So we will uh, enjoy that as well. But next week is the beginning of our new segment, Spell It Out with Krista. And she is going to talk about whatever the heck Krista wants to talk about. So there might be a little astrology. There might be a little bit of magic stuff. There could be a rant or two. And I think it's going to be a little free form and it's going to be a lot of fun. So tune in for that as well. So like I said, get all the information on our website. And uh, I know that Krista's dad, the phone disconnected a little bit. I tried calling him back, so I hope he's there and is listening to us, but we'll find out soon. So uh, I'm going to kick it back to you, Krista, and uh, let's have a great show. And I'm really looking forward to this one. Great. Thanks, Michael. So welcome, Dad. Are you there now? I am there. Yay! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Makes us happy. <laughs> All right. I was hoping that was going to work. <laughs> All right. So uh, I, I think we'll begin by you talking a little bit about your background in training in shamanism and healing. Well, first of all, I've been on a metaphysical journey for 60 years now. Uh, the first 18 years was just reading about metaphysical subjects like healers, uh, psychics, mediums, Edgar Cayce, and past lives. The real journey began in uh, 1978 when I was trained as a Reiki healer which over the next few years was followed by trainings in uh, past life therapy, which I did for 12 years, and spirit releasement. Now, all, all of these healing techniques were extremely effective in their own way, and uh, they helped my clients a, a great deal. Uh, I feel virtually every, every person I uh, had, uh, I was able to help. However, something in the back of my mind uh, kept nagging that there was something more basic which involved the human energy field. Uh, it never occurred to me that it was shamanism. Uh, everything I'd uh, ever read about uh, shamanism seemed uh, very primitive, uh, almost fanciful to me. Then uh, in 2003, I was living in Los Angeles, and uh, one evening I went to hear Dr. Alberto Villoldo, who is a 
PhD psychologist and medical anthropologist. Uh, he was giving a free lecture, and I thought, well, it's free, so I'll go listen to him. Uh, this uh, guy trained with the CARO, uh, that's spelled capital Q apostrophe E-R-O, uh, shamans for about 25 years. And uh, I think uh, by this time, uh, he started out, uh, I think, in the mid-'80s, uh, training other people. And uh, I think he must have over 10,000 students uh, uh, who he uh, wow. had in his in his training. Uh, every time I went uh, for training, there were at least 100 people there, uh, sometimes as many as 140. So, uh, but I, I, I wasn't convinced, but he mentioned that he had written a, a book called Dance of the Four Winds, and I went to the library and I got it out, and it just blew me away. Uh, I, re- I recommend anybody who's listening who uh, is interested in shamanism, uh, this is the book to read if you're interested in shamanism. Uh, he followed that by another book called Island of the Sun, which was a sequel, and uh, which also is uh, fascinating. And then uh, later he wrote The Shaman, Healer, and Sage, and he's written a number of books since then. Uh, reading those three books, uh, I was convinced, but uh, unfortunately I didn't have any money at the time. Uh, two years later, the money showed up, and I signed up. I didn't have the faintest idea why I was doing it. And uh, so I went to the first training. I think it was in the summer of uh, uh, 2005. And uh, the first training was called Medicine Wheel South, which later was followed by Medicine Wheel West, North, East, and the Sacred Munaiki Rites. These are all six-day trainings. And uh, they go from uh, early in the morning to uh, late at night. Uh, Each uh, training consisted first of exercises to spiritually cleanse the student shaman. Mm. That was was very interesting. I didn't even realize it uh, until after I'd gone gone through that. And uh, the second is to teach the light body healing. And uh, the third, the Munaki rites. Uh, this was the pattern for each six-day training. But uh, for the purpose of this talk, I'll discuss each set of trainings in their totality rather than uh, chronologically. Now I'd like to start off by saying, uh, talking about the word shaman, uh, which actually comes from Siberia and applies only uh, technically to the Siberian shamans who are very protective of the name, but the, the word shaman has become pretty much universal around the world. Word, world. Um, while I was uh, doing some research uh, on uh, uh, Quechua, which is uh, the language uh, spoken uh, in uh, Peru by the Caro shamans, I ran across a similar word, which uh, in Quechua is chakaruna, and I think it applies uh, to what a shaman actually does. So I'm going to read this. Okay. A, chak- a chakaruna is literally, literally a bridge person. The chakaruna helps others to cross from one state of consciousness to other states of consciousness, from the mind to the heart, from the present to the past or to the future. A chakaruna can also help people to connect to the spirit world, free those trapped in false illusions or beliefs, heal and reprogram the luminous energy field, and perform interventions in the upper, middle, and lower world worlds. So, uh, and that's uh, quite a mouthful. But uh, this is uh, what, what the, the chakaruna's uh, work is. And it, it is extremely rewarding work, uh, since the shaman is the means for clients to completely change their life. And I, I'm I'm serious about that. I mean, a lot of lot of the, the people who I have worked with, uh, it just uh, completely not only changed their life, but it changed them as persons. Wow. Now, Alberto Viola's training is based on the shamanic practices of the Caro shamans of Peru as well as uh, some uh, shamanic techniques of the uh, 
Amazon shamans, and also the coastal shamans uh, of Peru. Uh, as I discussed in a previous podcast, I believe these practices go back as much as 100,000 years to the lost continent and civilization of Mu or uh, Lemuria. Now, a shaman in his training and practice is energetically connected to a lineage of shamans, and this is important. Uh, And these shamans are both living and dead, on whom the shaman can call energetically. The basic agreement with the shamans in spirit is that when you call spirit, uh, spirit answers, and the flip side is that when spirit calls, you answer. And uh, this, uh, you know, it seems uh, pretty strange. It was strange to me when I first heard this, but the idea of working with, uh, you know, unknown, unseen uh, spirits is kind of weird, but I'll mention uh, one instance. Uh, I had several, actually, when I was aware of the fact that I was working with a uh, uh, spirit shaman. Now, there are certain basic things that you have to uh, start with when you're doing your work as a shaman. The the first thing you do is you open sacred space. I think that's something that is done, you know, the world over. But anyway, with the carrier, you open sacred space. And that is inviting the uh, energies, the the carrier call them winds of the south, winds of the north, winds of the west, uh, winds of the east. And asking those energies to come in open sacred space along with uh, Mother Earth and uh, Father Sky and the Great Spirit. So you open the sacred space, and the purpose of opening sacred space, first of all, is to protect you and your client. And secondly, it allows the spirits to come into your space uh, to work with you. The second thing that a shaman has to do is open their uh, viracocha. V-I-R-A-C-O-C-H-A, which is the eighth chakra. Now, uh, I don't think I have time to go go into all the chakras, but uh, generally speaking, most people speak only about seven chakras. Uh, The uh, Carol say there is an eighth chakra, which is your soul, and there's a ninth chakra above that, which uh, you don't use for your work, but which... uh, connects you with uh, with God. And in fact, it's the part of uh, God that is with you, and that is the ninth chakra. Now, um, let's see, where am I here? Okay. So then um, you, everybody ha- not only has chakras, but they have uh what uh, Alberta calls a luminous energy field. People call this uh, an aura, but the aura is only the uh, outer uh, manifestation. You have a luminous energy field, and the chakras are, are embedded in that. And everything that has ever happened to you uh, in past lives and this life is embedded in the luminous energy field or is uh, in your chakras. So any any problem you had in the past life, and you brought with you, you're going to bring it into your uh, luminous energy field. And the reason for this is that Alberto says that when you die, your eighth chakra uh, envelops the lower seven chakras and leaves, and then when you re- reincarnate, uh, all your chakras come back with you. So this is why all these imprints are in your luminous energy field and uh, in your chakras. Uh, well, let's see. So can I ask a quick question? Yeah. Is this how, why past life um, healing can really help then because of the imprint that you might not even be aware of? Like, let's say I'm new at metaphysics and, and I just have a repeating theme or injury in this life. Yeah, it's 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 in your chakras, and usually it's it's the the first three uh, lowest chakras. Uh, the first uh, chakra uh, has to do with uh, survival. The second has to do with uh, socialization and sexuality, and the third chakra has to do uh, with your personal power. Uh, sometimes it's in the fourth chakra, which is your heart chakra, but usually it's the three lower chakras. 
Hmm. So, you know, if, if something uh, traumatic happened to you, uh, you're going to locate it uh, pretty much uh, uh, more than 90% of the time in, in the first three chakras. Interesting. So, uh, as I mentioned, uh, the first... Um, and the first thing that uh, you are, are taught is to cleanse yourself. And uh, I'm, I'm just going to mention uh, one example, but uh, this went on for uh, uh, three days on each training. So you had three, six, nine, twelve, uh, twelve days of uh, cleansing yourself. This particular uh, technique uh, is to go and break your physical and DNA lineage, and to sever you uh, from whatever uh, DNA uh, issues or karmic issues uh, you have uh, in, uh, brought in, in to you. And just to, to give you an idea of how many you may have with you, I sat down and figured out that if, if a generation is uh, uh, 20 years, then in 20 generations, which is only a couple of hundred years back, you would have brought uh, the DNA and karma of 2,000 people with you. Whoa. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, that's pretty heavy. That is. Well, anyway, on, 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 on this particular thing, you, uh, we, we, we would uh, program uh, stones which were turned from uh, – uh, stones representing uh, uh, tragedies or, or problems or whatever, you turn them into healing stones. So in this particular exercise, you are cutting off your connection with your uh, uh, physical past. So they told us to uh, uh, take each stone, and one stone was your father, one stone was your, for your mother, and uh, the third stone you could pick whoever it was, and I picked my maternal uh, grandmother. And so you literally you step into the energy of this person. I can't tell you how this is possible, but I did it and everybody else did it uh, also. And uh, so the, the, the first one I did was, oh yeah, I mentioned, uh, one thing I have to mention is that uh, uh, the uh, you work with another person, and uh, after you get into this, uh, the, the ancestor speaks through you, and the other uh, student will ask uh, what gift the ancestor wants to give you. Mm-hmm. So with me, with me, it was my first one was my father, and uh, I couldn't remember what he said except that George didn't understand me, which is absolutely true. That was very. <laughs> You know him, and, and yes. so you know he was definitely difficult to understand. Yes. But his gift, his gift was, uh, I am giving him a diamond. It will shine its brilliant light through George and all eternity. The next one was my mother, who tearfully said, I only wanted to be happy, to have children and a happy family. I didn't care about a career. Her gift to me was, I want to give him the stars so that he knows who he is. Then my maternal grandmother, who had lived in a small Hungarian town all her life, softly Mm -hmm. said, I was a simple woman. I had a simple life. The sun, the sky, the birds. What else do you need? It was a simple (laughs) life. Her gift to me was, I want to give him openness, to be open to his life and to others. So a great deal of emotion rose up in me each time I stepped into an uh, ancestor's uh, vibration, and this happened with everybody. Mm. And so this is is one of these, uh, uh, you know, all of these exercises we do are so so unusual uh, because they they bring up things that you don't even know you existed in you, Mm -hmm. and you and you don't even know how how this connection is made. And uh, this is one of the things that you know validates uh, the the processes and the whole uh, practice of shamanism. It's it's all energy. And uh, so, you you know, you can't talk about it logically. You just have to, uh, the the basic aspect of shamanism is experience. 
you only you only become a, a shaman is is through experience. All the talking or all the instruction uh, are uh, a waste of time because uh, uh, it's only through experience that uh, you uh, become a shaman. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the four uh, main techniques. Going on to the next set of uh, uh, trainings. Uh, I won't have time to uh, talk about them a great deal, but I uh, just want to mention the four major tra- techniques. Uh, first of all, is illumination. Second is soul retrieval. Third is energy extraction. And fourth is the death rites. Now, illumination is basically uh, cleansing your, uh, cleansing the client's uh, chakra. You locate the, the, the client comes to you with an issue. You ask the client to uh, pick one of your stones. They're called kuyas. Pick a kuya, fill yourself with your issue, and then blow the, blow the issue energetically three times into the stone. And then you use the stone to, uh, along with a pendulum, to locate which chakra the person is, uh, where the problem is located in, in which chakra, as I mentioned before. It's usually the first, second, or third uh, mm-hmm. chakra. And then you open the chakra by twirling it counterclockwise, clean out uh, the negative energy uh, inside the chakra. And then when the energy is uh, completed, you take uh, your hands and you sweep some of the uh, light from your eighth chakra into your client's chakra. It's sort of like jump uh, jump-starting a uh, dead battery. Mm-hmm. And so you're cleaning out the chakra and you're putting light in there to get it uh, going. Uh, I forgot to mention that when you're testing uh, the chakras, uh, uh, if there's something wrong, the, your uh, uh, pendulum will go in counterclockwise direction or it's, it won't move at all or it's going to have a very odd shaped uh, movement. And uh, that tells you that this chakra is one that you know uh, doesn't doesn't work uh, well anymore. So when you're finished, you you close it up and then you test again. And sometimes you have to do this two or three times. Uh, and in fact, uh, sometimes uh, you have to do it for an extended period of time. Uh, Alberto recently wrote a book where he uh, uh, divulged that he had uh, uh, gotten some uh, serious parasites uh, from uh, his uh, work in the jungles. And they were in his brain, oh. and so they, had, yeah, and so they first had to uh, kill the parasites in his brain, and then he said for weeks and weeks and weeks, uh, his wife had to keep giving him illuminations. Wow. So uh, depending depending on what your situation is, uh, you know, it can be a, a one time or it can be for a long time. Uh, the second technique is. Uh, Soul retrieval, and this is something that most people, if they've read about shamanism, are going to be um, at least somewhat familiar with. But uh, this is done in a very specific way. Uh, Alberto uh, restructured all of these Carol um, uh, techniques so that Westerners could understand it and so that it could be taught in the easiest and uh, the most effective and uh, fastest way. Now, the soul retrieval is... uh, Again, your 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 uh, client comes to you with a problem. Uh, you have them blow into the stone, and then the shaman, uh, usually drumming, uh, will go into an altered state of consciousness and go into the lower world. And you imagine yourself going through the ground and coming into an open space, and uh, then you go into this uh, cave of sorts. And there, uh, and this is the soul of this person. And the soul has four chambers. Uh, this is a uh, symbolic, of course. And uh, the first is a chamber of wounds. The second is a chamber of contracts. The third is a cha- chamber of grace. And the fourth is the chamber of gifts. And uh, when you go into the chamber of wounds, what you usually find is uh, something happened to your client, either in this life or in a past life, and um, you will usually find something like a uh, an abused child, uh, uh, tortured, 
man. And anyway, something really pretty heavy in this chamber of wounds. And then you go on and you go next to the chamber of contracts. And in the chamber of contracts, this individual, in order to save themselves, made a contract which is untenable. In other words, it goes one way. Mm. The person the person gets nothing out of it. Abuser, the abuser gets everything out of it. So a typical contract would be, uh, I will do anything you want me to if you don't kill me. Mm. And uh, this is the type of contract that the children uh, suffering sexual abuse have. Right. Because very, very, very often the abuser will say, I'm going to kill you or your mother if you tell anybody about this. So this is uh, the chamber of contract. And uh, you tell the person what the contract is, but then the person has to go and come up with a new contract either then or later on uh, when, they're, when they're home. But they have to come up with a positive contract, which gives them equal power mm-hmm. and empowers them. Then you go to the uh, chamber of uh, grace, and there is your perfect self without problems or anything. And uh, what's very interesting about this is that uh, very often this self will refuse to come back. They say, no, I'm not going to come back unless <laughs> unless the person does X, Y, and Z. Huh. And, and I had this with uh, one uh, soul retrieval that one of the other students did for me. And uh, this uh, aspect of myself that I'm not coming back unless George has more fun. Oh, and <laughs> <laughs> usually it's more serious than that. But you know, uh, have okay, you had more fun though? I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now finally, you go to the chamber of gifts, and uh, in the chamber of gifts, you will find something for your. Uh, a client, and uh, very often it's symbolic. So let's say it's a sword or it's a crystal ball or whatever it is. And uh, you, you take these, uh, you, then you take all these back. And just before you leave on the, the uh, outside the, the chamber of uh, gifts, uh, sometimes you find a um, power animal. And so you bring the gifts and the uh, power animal uh, back to your client. And then, as I said, uh, later on, uh, they have to uh, uh, come up with a new contract. Uh, The funny thing, again, uh, that that happened with me was that uh, a power animal that uh, was brought back to me was a rooster. And uh, I couldn't uh, figure out what the heck was that was all about. But for the next two months, that rooster woke me up every morning early. <laughs> Roosters are, are seen as protectors against evil in a lot of traditions. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I looked it up because I have a friend that, that actually rescues roosters, real ones. <laughs> Okay, I don't have a whole lot of uh, time left uh, on this aspect of the program. I'll just mention a couple of things uh, else. There, the, I had a, um, the third segment is the Munaiki rites. And at the present time, there are nine of them, and I don't have time to list all of them, but I think you can find them on uh, the internet at the Four Winds uh, uh, Society. But uh, each one, uh, they're, not, they're not simply uh, ritual. Uh, something actually is taking place. Uh, and um, for example, the ninth ritual, uh, uh, which are called carpe, uh, is was just uh, recently, well, relatively recently, it came into being, uh, that was in 2007. And uh, I can't remember the name, but just a second, let me get the name of this thing. Sure. Um, Anyway, it was a nice, uh, uh, yeah, it's called the creator right. And I got, I got this particular right. One of the uh, four shamans uh, were coming up from Peru uh, for these trainings, and I got this shaman, I got this uh, uh, right from uh, one of the shamans, 
and uh, the creator right awakens the God light within you and you acquire stewardship, stewardship for all of creation. Wow. That sounds, that sounds pretty heavy. Yeah. But uh, the experience was even heavier. Uh, I, I sat in front of him and uh, he opened his rear coaching and put it over me. And then he went through this procedure and uh, I had my uh, mesa, which is a bundle of uh, these stones on my lap. And I didn't expect anything because uh, with most of the others uh, that I had, you know, it was just, you go through what it is and uh, that's it. But about halfway through, I was suddenly surrounded by this incredible love. And that's the only way I can go and uh, explain it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, 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 I feel like, you know, that, that was my experience of God. Mm. It was it was really really very heavy, but uh, very wonderful. Um, now let's see. I think we're running out of time. Oh, I want to mention one one thing just to show you that uh, uh, these uh, uh, rights uh, and 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 the uh, your relationship with the spirit shamans uh, is real. Uh, one of the uh, earlier uh, uh, rituals that uh, uh, I was given uh, is called a Kawak rite, and it's supposed to uh, uh, help you open your uh, third eye and your psychic senses. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, I, when I did this, uh, we had about 90 students at the time, and they uh, set up uh, uh, about 15 chairs uh for for each group to sit in, and so we all sat in, and then we had one shaman trainer for each group who gave us this right. So I was sitting opposite uh, this uh, where the my shaman started, and I watched her as she was going through this uh, ritual, uh, which involved uh, creating lines of energy uh, on a person's head and uh, the top of their chest, and so on. And so I figured, oh, you know, this is taking, it's going to take a long time before she gets to me. So I closed my eyes uh, and I thought, you know, I'll take a little nap. <laughs> and as, as I closed my eyes, I suddenly saw psychically that there was a spirit shaman standing behind each person in my circle. That's and I thought, wow, that's cool. Yeah. And and so finally, the, uh, this uh, uh, physical shaman uh, came and stood behind me, and she went through this uh, ritual of uh, uh, creating these lines of energy over my head and my shoulders and the top of my chest. And then she went to the next student. And when she stepped over to the next student, I could see psychically a shaman step forward behind me, and he went through the entire procedure that the physical shaman had just done, except this time I could see lines of white energy forming under his finger as he uh, uh, did these lines across my head. And at the end of that, he said, be brave, my mother, be brave, my brother, we are with you. Oh, that's very powerful. So, yeah, I had I had three other experiences uh, with shamans. Uh, one of them they talked to me, but others didn't. But I just wanted to show uh, this particular uh, experience, which uh, uh, proves to me, at least, you know, that uh, there's a relationship uh, uh, going on between the uh, shamans and uh, uh, the people that they're working with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I need to go on to the um, um, distant healing. Yes, uh, we have we have about twenty five minutes, just so you know. Yeah. Okay. I got to. I've got to watch okay, here good. too. Good. All right. So um, I first uh, I got involved with uh, energy healing with Reiki in nineteen. Uh, it was actually in nineteen eighty when I got my second degree. Uh, the distant healing, I mean. Uh, and uh, I had very little use for it. 
almost no use for it. Uh, any any make I did was for people who I knew and uh, did it in person. And it wasn't until uh, I was in training. Um, uh, for, uh, I think the first first year of uh, shaman training, that uh, a friend of mine uh, asked me for some uh, distant healing, and uh, now just uh, just to uh, give you an idea about uh, healing and uh, uh, distant healing, um, to start off with, when I. Uh, work with somebody I was Reiki and they always report feeling energy, heat and vibrations. Uh, one time uh, early on, I was working on a, a woman's body. She told me she had a problem with her hips. And uh, about halfway uh, through the session, she said, your hands are inside my hips. And I, I looked at my hand, I said, no, no, they're not. And she said, well, she said, well, I feel hands inside my hips rotating my bones. She had some kind of a problem with her hips. Wow. She could feel, she could feel hands uh, rotating her body. Now, interestingly, a man named Joy Brew, B-R-U-G-H, uh, who wrote uh, Joy's Way, uh, he was an energy healer, and he reported in his book that the same thing happened with him, mm -hmm. that people could feel his hands inside their body. I can't tell you what that means. I have no idea. Uh, I had one more experience uh, with a woman, uh, who uh, a reporter, who uh, uh, read an ad I had in New York City when I was advertising uh, Reiki, and she came to interview me, and she told me that she had... Uh, just quit smoking, and I said, well, you want me to give you a sample of Reiki? She said, yes. And so she sat down, and I put my hands uh, on her head. And after a while, it takes about three or four minutes for the Reiki to build up. And uh, she wrote in her article uh, that I said, I'm feeling something I've never felt before. It's like my hands are inside your head. Huh. And from uh, she says, from my ankle... It felt from my angle, it felt like we just entered the twilight zone. It seemed <laughs> as if you were, as if you were gently massaging my brain. So, I I don't know what's going on, but uh, it just uh, shows you that there are, there are uh, things going on that are non-physical, which we can't see, we can't physically feel, but something is uh, going on. Now I want to make uh, one. Uh, uh, comment about healing. Uh, Berto Vialdo uh, differentiated between healing and curing. Hmm. And what this means is that you can be spiritually healed and die. Curing is being physically healed. And you may or may not be a spiritual healed, but my experience is that you usually are. But I, I did have a couple of people who are spiritually uh, healed and and they died. Uh, if I have time, I'll I'll uh, talk about uh, okay. one of them. Um, so what happened with me is uh, uh, when I was uh, doing this training, this friend of mine in North Carolina, uh, Julia Rogers, who was a therapist, and uh, she requested a distant illumination for her father-in-law, who was ninety-three years old and had just gone to the hospital with atrial fibrillation and congestive heart failure. Hmm. Uh, now, that sounds pretty serious to me. I'm not a doctor, but uh, uh, congestive heart failure is, uh, is no joke. Right. So I, I, I said, okay, you know, I don't know. I've never done it before, but okay. So uh, after I did an illumination uh, for him, uh, I emailed Julia, and this is what I wrote. Uh, did an illumination for your father-in-law. He had a lot of really heavy, dark energy in his heart chakra, which I removed. Had to clean the heart chakra twice. Also found some of that dark energy in the root chakra. And also cleaned the crown chakra a bit, too. Don't really know why, though I guess it's to let him go easier when he's ready. Uh, he says he'll stick around for a while, though he's making no promises. In, that, in any case, his heart now looks like golden fire. He should be better within three days. 
Now, this is this is interesting because uh, uh, one of the things that uh, apparently I don't think I'm the only one that can do it. Uh, you can talk to people on the inside, except most people don't know this. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, if you're a healer, uh, a Reiki healer knows that he's not supposed to give someone healing uh, who is not present or uh, who is not asking for it themselves without asking uh, inside if the person will, uh, if the person wants healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had uh, one experience like that of uh, distant healing with uh, a friend of mine, uh, Maureen, uh, whose son had a brainstem stroke. Uh, brainstem stroke. I remember. And and uh, I tried to give him uh, distant healing, and then I forgot I'd to ask him, and I thought, oh, good grief, I forgot to ask him. So I asked inside, and I said, Brenda, do you want healing? And I heard, no. And I thought, what? And I asked again, I said, do you want healing? And he said, no. And so I wrote to his mother and she said, well, she said, yes, I understand that because he refused to get any help from the doctors either. Wow. So I don't know what, I don't know what kind of uh, issue uh, Brendan had, but anyway, my point was uh, you can uh, make a, you know, you can uh, uh, communicate uh, with uh, people uh, on the inside. Uh, I even was able to do that one time. Uh, I, it was the only time I ever tried it, but I had a, a woman uh, when I was doing past life therapy and uh, there was a situation involving her husband and another woman. There was some kind of, some kind of a triangle and I couldn't uh, really understand what the heck was going on. And so I asked her, I said, uh, you mind if I try uh, communicating with the other woman? And she said, no. So I uh, asked this other woman, I forget what her name was. And I said, are you willing to talk to me? And she was. And I carried on a conversation <laughs> with, a, with a woman in Los Angeles somewhere. And uh, it was very strange. <laughs> and uh, uh, so anyway, this is something that uh, I've never read about, but uh, I've had this experience. Now, let's see. Okay, I can give a couple more uh, examples of a distant healing. Now, it can be it can be very simple uh, as this was, or uh, it can get uh, extremely uh, complicated and uh, take weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, so, can I ask you, uh, with the distant healing, are you primarily using the second degree of Reiki, or are you combining things? I I decided to combine second degree Reiki with uh, the, uh, the shamanic uh, techniques. And uh, my reasoning for that was uh, the illumination and other techniques are not, uh, uh, it's, I mean, they're not really designed to go and cure you physically. Mm. And I thought, I thought, well, you know, what the heck, uh, uh, it's not going to cost me anything. <laughs> and uh, if, uh, if a client reported any kind of physical problem, uh, then I go ahead and uh, uh, use uh, the Reiki as well. Now, here, here's, here's one which uh, uh, involves this. Uh, I have an old friend whom I call Susan who wrote me she had a problem with her eyes, glaucoma, and was slowly losing peripheral vision uh, from the effects of that uh, affliction. Uh, I replied that I do a distant illumination for her and then I would send uh, distant, distant Reiki for 15 minutes a day for 30 days for her eyes, obviously because it was, this was a physical problem. Uh, when I tested for the illumination, however, the chakra that was clogged was her heart chakra, which I thought hmm. was pretty odd. What does that have to do with her eyes? I don't know. But I said, okay, you know, and I went ahead and did the illumination. It turned out that in addition to her glaucoma, uh, Susan was having a very strong and disturbing attraction to a man. Oh. Uh, so, so that explained the heart chakra. Mm. I wrote to her that this uh, fixation would soon pass, and it did. At the end of 30 days, she emailed that she had been to see a new eye doctor and that he had taken her off the glaucoma medication as it was no longer needed. Wow. So, in, 
So in this case, there appears to have been both a healing and a cure. So that's, uh, again, that's, that's, that's a short-term uh, mm-hmm. work, uh, but uh, very often it's a uh, 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 whole lot uh, longer. Uh, now, one of the things which uh, I didn't get into earlier, but I got a couple of minutes here and I want to mention, because uh, we were told that we could do uh, in the shamanic training, uh, a shaman can do any any shamanic uh, uh, procedure at a distance. Uh, the only catch to that was they never taught us how to do it. Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> so I had to figure it out for myself. And uh, because I'm visual uh, and you know I'm, I'm somewhat tactile. I had to have something physical. So when when I do a, a distant uh, shamanic healing, uh, I put a couple of uh, 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 Peruvian uh, blankets on the floor, mm-hmm. and then I line then I line up uh, seven of my uh, kuyas, my healing stones, to represent each one of the uh, chakras. Mm. And uh, then uh, I had read somewhere that uh, some shamans uh, put crystals in their rattle. And so I bought a, a bunch of the, uh, tiny little crystals, and I opened my rattle and uh, removed some of the beans and put the crystals in the in the rattle and then closed it up. And so I used that uh, to, sum- to summon the uh, energy body of my client. Wow. And I, and I just mentally, I, I rattle and I mentally summon the energy body of my client and instruct it to lie down uh, on top of these chakras. And then I take my... Uh, pendulum, and I test for the uh, chakra that needs uh, to be done, and then I go through the process uh, pretty much the same way as I uh, uh, do otherwise. Now, uh, one of the uh, things that I, I didn't get into it, uh, is um, the uh, attachment of uh, uh, spirits of dead people. And I originally started doing that when I was doing past life therapy. And uh, I have a book on that. And uh, I, I freed uh, hundreds of uh, spirits. And these are attached to people. And I get into long discussions uh, with them. Now, with the shaman uh, work, there is no, you're not interested in a person's story. Mm-hmm. You're not interested in talking with the spirit. And it's all energetic. And uh, what you basically do do is you bring up fire from the center of the earth and uh, to loosen up the spirit. And uh, then you uh, psychically, and your, your, your client helps you with this, you track uh, one, and usually there's more than one. There's usually three or ten, or uh, some people even found a hundred spirits attached, but there's usually more than one. And in the shamanic method, you are energetically pushing the spirit out of the uh, client into a crystal that your client is holding. And then uh, you go outside and you send the spirit on his way. Uh, so anyway, the, the whole point of that is that it is done all energetically. Mm-hmm. Uh, most uh, most uh, spirit releasement therapists uh, do it by talking with the spirits, which is the way I did it originally. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, uh, you know, I, I decided which which way I want to use, do it with, uh, with any given client. But the, the shamanic method is better uh, in one respect that if you have a, a spirit who is uh, reluctant and doesn't want to go, I think it's easier just to kick him out of there using uh, energy <laughs> yeah. instead of trying to reason. Because I have reason with, uh, you know, uh, some uh, spirits, and uh, some of them are very stubborn, and some of them are very stupid, and, uh, you know, so, sometimes you, well, listen, you, you, don't, you don't suddenly become brilliant because you die. Exactly. You know? It's true. So, uh, uh, so I just want to mention that this is a, a both a shamanic technique and uh, is used by people who are uh, not shamans. Okay, uh, if you have some, if you have some uh, questions, I'll be glad to answer them. 
Uh, before I forget, just for those that don't know, um, Dad actually did a show on spirit releasement uh, on our channel. So just go to our archives and you can listen to that and get a little more information from that. Uh, so I did write down a couple of questions. Um, it was interesting. I was about the contract because other people just break the contract um, with that you've made and that this one I hadn't heard before the technique of actually having them replace it with a positive empowering contract. So that was you, different. Well, first of all, when you're in a life and death situation, uh, you're going to do whatever you can uh, and give whatever contract you want. Now, once you uh, have given that contract, let's say it's a little girl, Okay, she grows up. She hasn't changed that contract. She doesn't even know what the contract is. Mm -hmm. How are you going to break the contract? You don't even know that a, a contract exists. Right. I don't know what. So you know, I, I mean, uh, that 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 is uh, you, you can't you can't just uh, break the contract. You have you have to first of all become aware of it. Uh, you don't have to know why or how it came about. You you ha only have to be aware of this is a contract that I made with somebody in this life or in a past life or whatever it is, and uh, then come up uh, with a contract. And uh, so uh, it, makes, it makes a huge difference because uh, you are a victim. And, and the one thing which I have learned uh, over the last 40 years is most people are, work, are, are living their lives as victims, mm. okay? Right, right now, the... the uh, the United States of America is made up of uh, 310 million victims, and the victimizer is Donald Trump. That's and true. They don't, they, and they don't realize they're being victimized, mm -hmm. half of them anyway. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyway, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, that does. And then um, going back to the Reiki, uh, I believe, were you originally trained with Virginia Samdal? Is that correct? That school of Reiki? Correct. Cor yep. Yes, because I, I had that. And there's there's a lot of controversy in Reiki right now in that, um, first of all, they've gone off, some people gone off and kind of made up their own Reiki. Um, yeah. Some people are um, doing the Reiki. I remember when I did, took the two initiations, we had to wait, oh, what was it, like six months before you could take the second one. So now they're offering them like in weekends in a row and everyone's a yeah. master Reiki and they don't understand what the master Reiki is. It just is an ego yeah. kick, you know, and... and uh, what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, well, I, actually, that started back in 1980, and uh, one of the women who was in my class with uh, Virginia uh, when I took the first degree Reiki in 1978, she formed her own organization. I think she called it Real Reiki, hmm. which I thought was really insulting. Uh, because uh, she's saying that she's got the real Reiki and the rest of us are, you know, bums. Uh, and she was Virginia's uh, student. But anyway, uh, uh, she was uh, money hungry and she was uh, uh, selling the uh, uh, master Reiki at uh, $10,000 a piece. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I've read accounts of uh, other things and uh, I – I don't. I don't pay attention to what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people. A lot of people have gone to uh, 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 Japan and claim they've uh, found other information, mm -hmm. and they've been and they've interviewed uh, X, Y, and Z, and I don't know. And uh, so I, I don't pay uh, any attention to it. Uh, Usui U S U I Reiki is the original Reiki. Uh, Virginia was the first. Uh, Occidental uh, uh, Reiki master uh, uh, to uh, teach Reiki on the in North America and the United States, and uh, she got it directly from Hawaii Takata, who got it directly from uh, whoever it was in Japan that uh, uh, taught her. So I, I feel uh, I, I don't pay attention to all this stuff. You know, that's all I can tell you. That's probably the wisest thing I would say. Um, and also, it, you know, you really just need the first two to work on people. I mean, the first one is not the distant one is the second degree, right? That's the main difference. It's, and mental uh, illnesses and things like that. Is that correct? 
I have done it for a long time, but one of the things is uh, mental, and then uh, the other is uh, distant uh, Reiki healing. But what's, what's interesting to me is um, what they teach us in, in uh, shamanic training is that the shaman's intent is the key to all the work. And I've really taken that uh, to heart. And mm-hmm. uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do the distant Reiki the way they, uh, they taught it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I decided, you know, well, why am I doing the whole body when, you know, uh, it, the rest of it isn't affected? And what I've done is I found a small crystal ball that's about an inch and a half in diameter. And uh, it was advertised on eBay as as having belonged to a, a Australian uh, a healer. Mm. And so I purchased that. And um, the uh, crystal ball told me it wants to work with me. So I said, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, may, you may think it's crazy, but crystals will talk to you. No, I, um, I don't at all. I know a lot about that factor of crystals. I, I think it's amazing. Anyway, so what I do with this is I just uh, take uh, uh, the uh, my client's uh, photograph or uh, sometimes if I don't have a photograph, uh, just um, their return address on their envelope and I uh, hold the crystal ball and uh, the picture or the return address in my hands for about 15 minutes and just uh, stipulate that I'm uh, giving uh, uh, distant healing uh, to uh, my client, I, I do uh, make the second degree uh, uh, symbol, mm, uh, yeah, which increases uh, the energy. But I that I don't go through the whole routine, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, that that applies to uh, some of my, my distant work uh, with uh, uh, the shamanic work also, because some of it uh, you really can't do because they're not here physically. Right. So I can't do I can't do a spirit releasement. Uh, uh, physically, and I have to go and uh, uh, reconfigure how I do that uh, mentally. And uh, what I do with uh, uh, the spirit release uh, is I ask the shamans, uh, the spirit shamans, to uh, help me mm. to uh, remove this uh, attached spirit. And I assume we have a relationship, and I assume uh, that uh, this will happen. I had a, I had an experience once, which uh, leads me to believe that you know this is the case. This was before I, I even was. Uh, um, uh, trained as a shaman, I had a case where there was a, a person had a, uh, this was a distant healing, and uh, I found that there was a spirit there, and uh, it uh, it was reluctant to go, and I just asked inside for uh, spirit uh, guides to remove the spirit, and what I saw them was it was like they had a blanket made out of light, and they wrapped this spirit up in in this blanket and uh, took it away and uh, took mm. it into the light. Mm. Wow. So, uh, so I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, I, I'm having, uh, on, on some occasions I've, I've felt the presence of uh, spirits mm-hmm. when I was uh, doing trainings or healings. And so I, I know they're working with me. Mm. I wanted to, we're getting close to the end. I wanted to give a, a shout out about your books on Amazon and the two books that were connected today one is called The Healing Secrets of the Shamans of Mu, and then Distant Healing Reiki and Shamanic Practices. Um, if you have the, what is it, the Kindle Unlimited, sometimes his books are free, and so definitely very affordable, too. So I wanted to mention that before we get close to the end. And, yeah, of course, your and, other uh, books as well. And uh, remember, Amazon lets you read about uh, uh, 10% or more. Uh, of the beginning of the book. So uh, you can get a pretty good idea uh, yes. of uh, what a book is like. Uh, but uh, let me just make one final comment. Uh, if anybody is interested in healing and uh, you don't have to have a college degree and you don't have to be a, a genius, uh, you don't have to have anything except the desire. But uh, this is uh, um, the, the Four Winds Society and Alberto Vieldo. I give him a plug because uh, what he's done is extraordinary. Nobody else has uh, uh, ever uh, uh, designed training like this uh, mm. unless it was unless it was back in Mu uh, hundred thousand <laughs> years ago. 
Oh, that's great. Well, thanks. That. Thank you. Thanks for that. For remembering that too. Yeah. So thanks again for being on the show. We always love it. And we get, we definitely get a lot of good comments about uh, the show when you're on it, dad. So thanks again for sharing your time and all your experience and knowledge. And I'm sure you'll be back. Thank you. All right. And thank you all for listening today. If you like the video, please like us. We love your comments. Even if you comment, you know, on a, a show like 10 shows ago, we try to respond to everything. Make sure to subscribe. That is something that makes it easier for you to see our videos. And we look forward to next week when I start my new show, Spell It Out. So have a great week and we will look forward to seeing you when we continue to explore the esoteric and the obscure together. Thank you.